Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to Ephesians, the first chapter. Last week, we started a series in the book of Ephesians called Working with Grace. And we discovered that grace is more than God's unmerited favor. Grace also has to deal with God's enabling power, the power of God that works with us, in us, and through us to accomplish his will. And so I want to piggyback on that thought this morning and go one step further into the book of Ephesians. Starting in the first chapter, we'll look at verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, in him, talking about in Jesus, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. Somebody say sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. If you go and purchase a big ticket item, they're going to want your signature on a document which is a guarantee that you will fulfill the loan until you acquire the title. But that signature is only as good as the person signing for it. That's why they'll run credit checks, they'll ask for pay stubs, they'll ask for all different kinds of financial information because they want to know that you can handle what you are asking for. If you do not have the power to carry out the loan, you have the option to get a third-party guarantee. Somebody that has the ability to do what you cannot do. Somebody that has the power to do what you cannot do. Somebody who is going to oversee the process and make sure that even if you default, the loan gets paid. Are you following me? The Bible here is saying that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we take full possession of it, meaning he is partnering with us and overseeing the process of our salvation until it is fully realized. Now, it's important to know that the moment that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you are saved. Somebody say, I am saved. saved. The Bible says that you are now saved the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are saved. But there is a process that is taking place from the moment of your salvation to where you're not just saved, you are continually being saved, which is sanctification. You are becoming more like Christ until the point to where we are fully saved. So we are saved, we are being saved, And then ultimately we will fully be saved. And it is the Holy Spirit who is overseeing that process to make sure that we don't default. Because how many of you know if it was up to you, you would probably default. I'm thankful that I am not having to guarantee 
my salvation. I am thankful that the blood of Jesus purchased me and the Holy Spirit sealed me until I take full possession of it, until one day I am fully like Christ. There's a process that we're walking through, but we're not walking through it alone. We're walking through it with the Holy Spirit, who is God with us. I want you to picture this in your mind. When Jesus stepped onto this earth in human form, he was God with us. The fullness of God dwelt in him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when his body was broken on the cross for you and I, for our salvation, so that we could inherit everything that God has for us, when his body was broken, it gave us access and the spirit that was inside of him, the spirit who is him, has been released now to us. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit has been released. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Some of you grew up in denominations where you never even heard of such a thing. But actually, Pentecost, the word Pentecost means 50. Turn to the person next to you say 50. It's not a scary word. It just means 50. 50 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, the Holy Spirit was released upon the church to empower the church for their mission. But before the Holy Spirit came, there was an introduction. Before the Holy Spirit arrived, Jesus took time to introduce him to us. Now, the power of an introduction is that it sets the stage for who is to come. It gives us a sense of excitement and expectation. It familiarizes the audience for the one who they are going to encounter. So before the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus tells us things like, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a friend. That's how Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us, a comforter, a helper, a friend. He comforts us in our time of need. He comforts us even though we may feel alone. We know that we are never alone because he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He comforts us. He helps us in our weakness. How many of you know that you've got some weakness in your life? He helps us in our limitations. The Holy Spirit helps us to think the way we cannot think on our own. The Holy Spirit helps us to see the way we cannot see on our own. The Holy Spirit helps us find the truth that is in Jesus Christ. But he also says he's a friend because you can have fellowship with him. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. When I say person, I'm not talking about a human being. I'm talking about someone who has a personality, a mind, a will, emotions. You can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit who is God with us. And I would suggest to you this morning that if you want to experience the comfort and the help of the Holy Spirit, the best way to that is by having friendship 
with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, he's my comforter. He is my helper. And I'm going to make him my friend. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't stop there. It's one of those like, hey, call now. There's more. Jesus also says that the Holy Spirit is going to give you power. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives the church of Jesus Christ, which is the people of God, the power and ability to accomplish everything he has called us to accomplish. The Bible says in Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, Jesus speaking, he says, you will receive. Somebody say, I will. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you are sealed with him, but I'm also going to fill you with him, and he is going to give you power to become my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Somebody say, he gives me power. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to do what I cannot do on my own. It's important for us to understand this. When we talk about working with grace, we're talking about working with God's enabling power, his presence that is with us, that enables us, who is the Holy Spirit, helping us, partnering with us, working with us, working in us, so that he can work through us. Now, I want to show you something this morning. I'm going to ask the camera to get a tight shot of it so that you can see what this is. I'm going to chug this. <laughs> You're right, I am not. Can, can y'all tell what this is? Somebody tell me what this is. Bleach. That is a really great guess. However, you are incorrect. This is a container that holds bleach. Now, bleach has the power to sanitize and deodorize and do all kinds of eyes and stuff. Bleach has the power to do some amazing things. This bottle is nothing more than a container. If you've got a dirty toilet at your house and you take this bottle and drop it in your toilet, your top toilet is going to be dirty and clogged. Why? Because this is not the power. It carries the power. It carries the source. It carries the thing that can accomplish something. The reason I show this to you is because I want you to see your life like this bottle. I want you to see yourself as the container, not the source. But you were designed by God to be able to carry the source that can accomplish the purpose. But apart from the source, apart from the bleach in the bottle, the bottle can do nothing. Somebody say it can do nothing. The Bible says in John, the 15th chapter, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the vine. That's my role in this part. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada. Zero. Zilch. But if you will abide in me, and allow me to abide in you. If you will connect yourself to the vine as a branch, then that which flows through me 
will now flow through you so that you can become effective and produce. Because apart from the Spirit, you can never accomplish the things that I am calling you into. But when you have the Spirit flowing through you, then you can do anything. Because it's not about the vessel. It's not about the container. It's about what that container carries. And I don't know about you, but that sets me free because I understand it's not about Aram. It's not about the shape of the bottle. It's not what is written on the bottle. It's not about what the bottle has been through. It's about the fact that that bottle carries the power to do something. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to do what I cannot do. You know why so many people live frustrated? It's because they're trying to produce on their own what only the Holy Spirit can produce through them. There's a reason we call it the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of arm. When we talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, self-control, all of these things that we should possess, these are not things that we create or manifest on our own. These are things that manifest through us because we are connected to the vine. We are connected to the source. We are a branch that has the Spirit flowing through us. And because the Spirit is flowing through me, I can't help it but to produce. Has anybody noticed that in your life? There's a change from before you were saved to, to now, and it was almost effortless. I'm not saying that you don't do anything, but it was almost effortless. I, I'm not at home beating myself up going, be more patient, be more patient be more patient. I have become, over a process of time, more patient because the more fellowship I spend with the Spirit, the more I am going to become like Christ because the Spirit himself is working in us, making up for the deficiencies and the weaknesses and drawing us to Jesus until we fully look like him, until we fully take possession of our inheritance. I am preaching better than you are responding this morning. I'm going to buy this tape and listen to it myself. You've got to understand that you carry power. Somebody say, I carry power. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to understand what they carry. Because our world is spinning out of control. And I don't blame the world for being the world. I'm not offended at the world being the world because that's who they are. It is their nature to do what they are doing. I point the blame at the church for not being the church and not understanding who God has called us to be, not understanding that we are the light of the world. And until we shine, there will be no light in the darkness. And when I talk about being the light of the world, I'm talking about more than just attending church when it's convenient. I'm talking about having a personal fellowship relationship with Jesus Christ so that you know when I wake up and I move forward, the Spirit of God himself is going with me. And whenever I step into a room, change is going to happen because God is with me. We've got to stop 
complaining about the culture, and we've got to start going after the culture through our prayer. Did you hear what I said? We've got to stop complaining about the things that God has given us the ability to change. It is our responsibility to pray. It is our responsibility to seek the face of God. It is our responsibility to humble ourselves in the presence of the mighty God. It is our responsibility to raise up our children and train our children in the ways of God. And if you don't do it, the world will. Well, you know, they, they, they understand we got other stuff going on. Forget that. Forget that. We are dealing with souls here. Do you understand that? You're not just raising children, you are raising souls. And we've got to make sure that we are investing into them so that they can grow into the people that God has called them to be. So that when they go into their school and they hear the lie, which they are hearing the lies, when they hear the deception, which they are hearing deception, they themselves are not deceived because they know the truth. People of God, we have a tremendous responsibility and it is time that we wake up. It is time that we become the people that God has called us to be. It is time that we begin to seek after the face of God and understand the power that we carry. Not complaining, but changing, shifting atmosphere, shifting environments. You know where that comes from? That comes from connecting yourself to the vine. What does that look like? What does it look like to actually be connected to the vine? Is that attendance? Is that a morning devotional? Is that what is that connection to the vine? That is a place of abiding in his presence where I know. I know his voice. I know when he is speaking to me. I know when he is moving. I know when he is calling me to step out. And if he's not calling me to step out in that moment, I know how to wait. We talked about that, Frank, on the... You, you were talking about somebody that you were having a conversation with and you were like, I just didn't feel anything. It's because the Holy Spirit didn't want you to step out in that moment. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. He'll help us. He wants to save the world more than we want to save the world. He wants to rescue people from the situation they are in more than we want to rescue them. As a matter of fact, God wants to help you more than you want to help yourself this morning. And the good news is I don't have to do it by myself because I'm working with grace. I'm working with grace. I've got the Spirit of God on my side. He is empowering me to do everything that he has called me to do. That's the big idea I want you to get this morning. If he has called you to do something, he will empower you to accomplish it. Now, when we're reading through Ephesians this month, I want you to remember what we talked about last week, that there are two main themes. The first half of Ephesians is all about what God has done. The second half of Ephesians is all about how we respond 
to what God has done for us. And if we don't get that right, then we're going to live frustrated because we're going to try to work it on our own, not realizing that we don't have to work it as long as we'll work with grace. See, Ephesians, just by itself, it'll tell you things like, we are called to be holy and blameless. How many of you have tried that on your own? It says that we are supposed to be humble, gentle, and patient. It says that we are supposed to grow into the fullness of Christ. It says that we are supposed to put off the old nature. It says that we are to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, that we are to be honest and truthful. We are to be imitators of God and walk in love. It says that we should live sexually pure. For the husbands, we are called to be godly men, godly husbands. For the ladies, you are called to be godly wives. For the children, you are called to be godly children and to honor your parents. And then it says that we are supposed to stand against the attack of the enemy. All of these things that I read to you are good, but they are also impossible to you on your own. You can never bear the fruit of righteousness through your own effort. It is simply by abiding and being connected to the vine. And the more I stay connected and positioned, the more his spirit is going to flow through me and transform me. The more I stay focused on him, the more he is going to renew my mind. He's going to begin to transform the way I think. But if I unplug, if I disconnect, then I'm going to begin to malfunction. Somebody say, I'll malfunction. See, there is an environment that you were created for. And the only way for you to thrive and succeed is to be in that environment. My girls play basketball. They got that from their mom. Their mom plays basketball. I like to get out there and mess around with them, but basketball is not my environment. I'm like a fish out of water. I was never good at non-contact sports because I always turned them into full-contact sports. It doesn't matter what the sport was. I would find a way to hurt you in it because I may not be better than you, but you're not going to want to get anywhere near me. I used to play third base in baseball, and I would make every kid regret ever thinking about sliding into third base because I would take that glove with that ball, and I would come across their face as hard as I could. I got ejected from the league. It's okay. Justice, <laughs> justice was served. <laughs> but basketball wasn't my thing. It, it wasn't the environment I was created for. Now, if you put me on a stage with a bass guitar like that, I... That's where I thrive. That's what I was created to do. I was thinking about a sailfish. Um, you know, they are one of the fastest fish in the sea, if not the fastest. But if you put a sailfish on dry land, it's just going to flounder around. I promise you, on the land, I can outrun a sailfish. <laughs> Throw it in the ocean, not a chance. Why? Because the ocean is the environment. So what is our environment? What is the environment that we thrive in? I'm glad you asked. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know that passage? So what does he do? If you read through the text, the first thing God does is he establishes an environment before he creates the creature. 
So he creates a sky for the birds to thrive in. He creates the water for the fish to thrive in. You can go on and on and on. Before he creates the, creator, uh, the, the creature, he creates the environment for it. For us, he placed us in a garden east in Eden. If you break down that word Eden, I'm not going to take time to do it, but it actually means that it is the place where the earth has an open door to heaven. It is the place where the presence of God abided with man. They would walk with God in the cool of the day. I would suggest to you that the presence of God is the place that you and I were created to thrive in. But what happens if you remove us from our environment, we begin to malfunction. We begin to break down. We begin to die. So the greatest way to become who you have been called to be is to put yourself in the proper environment, which is the presence of God, getting to know him. I'm not trying to become like Christ on my own. I am becoming like Christ because the spirit of Christ fills me. Are you understanding this? Later in Ephesians, you'll see Paul where he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's not a message against alcohol. He's, he, he's pushing a point. He's saying the same way that you would get inebriated under a controlled substance is how you need to be contro controlled, consumed, filled by the Spirit of God. So now it is no longer me working. It is the Spirit of God working through me. Why? Because I am filled with him. Are you understanding this? Philippians, the second chapter, verse 13, says that it is God who works in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. What does that mean? First, he gives you the will. That means that the Spirit of God is giving you the desire to do what pleases God. Because apart from the Spirit, you will never choose what pleases God. How many of you know that's the truth? I wish we could like project our minds up on the screens this morning so that we could take time and see what everybody's got going on in their carnal mind. It won't look a lot like Jesus, would it? <laughs> Myself included, by the way. Why? Because we, by nature, do not choose the things of God. But the Spirit of God who seals us, who becomes our guarantee of our inheritance until we take full possession of it, he is consuming us so that now our will and our desire changes. But he's not just giving us the will and desire to accomplish something that we cannot accomplish. He's also partnering with us so that we can step into who he has called us to be. If you get anything from this sermon today, get the fact that God himself is with you now. The Holy Spirit, God inside of us. And the more aware I become of who is with me, the more fellowship I have with him, the more I will become like him. I don't have to concentrate on the things that I'm trying to walk away from if I will keep my eyes fixed on him, if I'll keep on moving in his direction, if I'll take time to consult the Spirit. When I need wisdom, if I'll take time to ask the Spirit himself, who is infinite wisdom, what I need to do and wait until he tells me to move, I'm going to make a lot better decisions in my life. But too many times we jump into things without consulting the Spirit of God. And we wonder why we get ourselves into such a mess. It's because we did it to ourselves. The Holy Spirit is the most neglected part of the Godhead. 
We talk about God the Father a lot in church. We absolutely talk a lot about God the Son, and we should. But we also need to realize that God the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a promise to seal us and fill us so that we can grow into the fullness and the stature of Jesus Christ. Something that we cannot do on our own, but it becomes possible because God is now with me. Some of you in here, you're going through things in your life right now that you don't see any way out of. Let me tell you, the way out is Jesus Christ through the power of his spirit. He can set you free. He can set you free, but you've got to draw close to him. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to start having a relationship with him. And when you do that, you'll see these things that burden you begin to fall away. You'll see these things that bind you begin to get chipped away. Why? Because he is guaranteeing your inheritance, which means he's going to work with you all the way along, as long as it takes. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Rich, he may have to do it with us kicking and screaming, but he'll, he'll get us there. I've learned that it's easier just to relax and let him do what he's going to do than me try to kick and scream. Some of you in here, man, you've been kicking and screaming for a long time. God's been trying to get your attention. Let me tell you something. He will keep on trying to get your attention until one day he finally gets it, and he will get it one way or the other. Did you hear what I said? He will get your attention one way or the other. I'll, I'll share this story with you, and then we'll close in prayer. I was listening to my great-grandfather speak this week, a message that he preached in 1977. He was talking about his call into the ministry and how it happened. And he said that when he was called into the ministry, he didn't know anything about church. He didn't know anything about the Bible. And he began to argue with God, saying, God, this is not me. This is not, you, you obviously know that I don't know anything about the Bible. And he refused the call of God on his life. From that moment, I won't go into details, but things began to deteriorate around him until he got to the point to where he cried out to God and he said, God, I will do whatever you've called me to do. I will be whoever you've called me to be. And things turned around for him and God used him to do something incredible. But it took him getting to that place of understanding, okay, God, you win. God, you win. I'm taking time right now because I'm dealing with specific people in the room who are wrestling against what God is trying to do in them, and you need to just turn yourself over to him and say, God, you win. Doesn't mean I won't stumble tomorrow, but if I stumble tomorrow, I'm getting back up. I'm no longer going to make excuses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm no longer going to make excuses. If I did it, I did it, but I'm moving forward. I'm not going to talk about, well, this is just a part of my family history. No, I've got a new DNA through Jesus Christ. I'm moving forward. Listen, next week, you need to do whatever you can to be here next Sunday because we're going to be talking from Ephesians 2nd chapter. You're going to begin to see who you actually are in Christ and the position that he has placed you in and understanding that you have some authority. 
the enemy who is trying to seek and destroy your life, you've got to stop letting him do it. You've got to say enough is enough. Today it stops, and I am going to go through the process. I don't know how long the process is going to take, but God knows, and he will be with me through it until he brings me on the other end, and I have full possession of my inheritance.